You're listening to Brigade Radio 1. Welcome to the Antisocial Show. Welcome to another episode of Anti-Social Show. Tonight is going to be a night of epicness. I'm Hunter Block and he's... Tyson Saner. Hello, Tyson. Hey, how have you been? I've been alright. And yourself, sir? Not bad, not bad. So we're getting a bit of an early start. Absolutely, absolutely. Nothing like to uh, get an early start, jump right in, because tonight we have epicness in its finest. Dear listener, I set this in motion last Saturday, yes, last Saturday, and uh, I had asked a guest to come on tonight, a very epic, awesome guest, a huge uh, bucket of wind, or win, and he said uh, yes, and all we had to do was iron out the details and the time, and uh, yes, he'll be joining us in just a few minutes, and we can let the party start. Our guest is uh, producer, director, and screenwriter for uh, a couple of uh, things like, just to name a few, like the Gilmore Girls, the Golden Girls, Roseanne, a very Brady sequel, and he he is Stan Zimmerman. <sighs> okay, so full disclosure, um, there was a major sound snafu with my audio for some reason. So until about an hour uh, into the program, the audio file where I was recording myself is completely blank. It's blank, 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 and then the beginning of the game when I ask our guest, Mr. Zimmerman, if he has a hard out, uh, which he makes a joke about. And uh, and then from there, the sound is basically normal. So I'm going to edit around it. You're, I'm going to leave in what I can, take out what uh, doesn't make sense. Thankfully, Hunter asked a good amount of questions instead of me, and Mr. Zimmerman was a great guest who had plenty of stories to tell, so... Um, enjoy. Thank you for listening. Oh, there you Hello. Hello. Uh, it looks like you're in a bunker there. <laughs> a little. Oh, him or me? Both. Well, you look like you're in a spaceship. <laughs> you look like you're in a bunker. So we're all we're all good, right? Yeah. I mean, this house is technically cinder block, so I guess it could be like a fallout shelter because it's not going nowhere. <laughs> Okay. Do you have enough food? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're not. You're not lacking in that department. No, I'm not. One to look at me right now will know that I'm not lacking in the food department. <laughs> I was actually in New York when COVID, you know, shut down New York in mid-March last year. And really, the number one fear I had because I just saw pictures of the empty shelves in Los Angeles, thinking, like, we wouldn't have food or anything. <laughs> yeah, I kind of 
created my own little, I mean, if you could see it, it's a, it's a little command center in my bedroom where I teach uh, sitcom pilot writing classes. I've directed Zoom plays, um, had meetings, just, you know, what you have to do. I just couldn't, for some reason, at the beginning of COVID, I couldn't just sit here. I mean, at the beginning, I actually was sick. And uh, I did test positive for antibodies in April. Uh, so I got it in New York, uh, not bad, and but definitely was I couldn't breathe. And so I, uh, at that point, we couldn't get it tested. You couldn't go to the doctors unless you had a fever, which I didn't have. And I could still smell and eat. So I just stayed and rested. And then in uh, middle of April, I was better. And then I just got into... Um, attack mode and i was like okay i got to keep all my projects alive and how do i do it and then i saw some friends doing zoom play readings so i was doing you know i contacted companies i was doing things once a month i had a new script that i was working on and i got to hear it on zoom i got some actors together that would normally be too busy and they did a zoom reading for me because i wanted to hear a, a play and how it sounded through their voices. And it was just uh, a little annoying, but uh, exceedingly productive in a weird way. <clears throat> what was the annoying part? If uh, I may, uh, just was me, it... me, me uh, that's your one question you got? No, no, I got many questions. So. <laughs> but since since you're on the topic, I, I was it because uh, you had to do like over like Zoom or not in person uh, or? Annoying probably from some people like, what does he want to do now? Um, but, uh, yeah, just, you know, because, you know, like this, working in the different boxes. And um, then I got a little more ambitious. By the end of the year, I was so sick of the boxes that I was, um, I was supposed to uh, direct a, an original play of mine in North Carolina. And obviously that got canceled. And the producer said, would you want to record it? And I said, I will, but I can't do the two actors in boxes and they're literally one was in bethesda one was in santa monica so it's a one play so and they had done the play before so what uh me and my producing partner stephanie von huben figured out is we could have them look at each other and green screen it and then create a background so it looked like they were in the same room and that's that awesome we found the right picture. It looked like, and it was a still picture, it looked like they were actually sitting on sofas talking to each other. And at the, at the beginning, people thought, they're got to be in the same room. And I'm like, no, they're, they're not in the same room. And then because I had to be a little more ambitious, we created like a movie, a title sequence. And we got a picture of, uh, it takes place in uh, Michigan in, uh, in uh, Christmas Eve. So... We got a picture, a great photograph, and we, you know, slowly panned in, and we had music and credits, so it looked like a movie or a real TV show. And because I'm even more insane, I had this idea: what if we did over-the-shoulder shots? So it was almost like I was pioneering like new television, and I was yeah. like, "Hey." Yeah, so what I had the actors do... Oh, so then there's a scene in the play when we did uh, where the uh, two actors look out the window and they say, oh, it's starting to snow. 
So again, I was so crazy. I said, what if we saw their point of view and we saw the snow? So I had a friend in Michigan film snowballing. I had the <laughs> actors stand in front of those separate boxes, separate sides of the country, facing the green screen. So it was green screen upon green screen. And what I did was I put the snow falling, then I put a window on it, and then I put their bodies in front. So it looked That's like brilliant. they were standing in the same room looking out windows with real snow falling. That's brilliant. That I did. It wasn't enough. I had to do over-the-shoulder shots. <laughs> so then I had to like, do one here and one in the back, you know, vice versa. And then I put a different background behind them. What were the two walls on the side of that room that we just saw the picture of? Yeah. Um, so it was it was very organic, but in, in and I kept adding like fun things like that. So by the end of the piece, all of a sudden, it was like what? Like you're, you're you know you're doing all that fun stuff, and so it really elevated uh, the piece. And it was it was it was uh, technically very simple. We did it with like no money, but it was just fun to watch and made it more exciting for people than. Uh, you know, oh, they're just in their boxes in their homes, you know, you know, or they're in their kitchens. I mean, it is fascinating because I watch uh, during the past year a lot of cable news. And, you know, now the, the talking heads were in their kitchens. And I wasn't even listening to them. I'm going, what is that? Was oh, that cake? What kind of cake is that back there? You know? <laughs> uh, you know, and they're like, well, that's really, they have, they have a messy house. Or then the funniest was some of the people in the very beginning of of it, but they weren't used to it, and they would have children. Like, they crawl on the floor, go to the refrigerator, and that just so happy to no end. That was that was really fun to see um, how crazy how crazy things would get, you know, and dogs barking and cats jumping up, and it. Yeah, I was called. It is called Yes, Virginia. And yes, Virginia. Okay. And my longtime uh, black housekeeper, and it's a, re a role reversal comedy written in the style of Golden Girls, but also dealing with real issues like dementia, which my mother has. And I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, uh, so that's really it's a lot, um, and it's a lot for her. Um, but um, Dealing with, uh, I mean, it initiated when she didn't want to leave her apartment in Santa Barbara, her condo. And it's like, you have to, you know, you need to live closer to me in L.A. And you can't live there. I mean, we can't have you on your own because every time she wouldn't pick up the phone, of course, my mind goes to the worst. And you know, I'd be driving up the coast to see if she's OK. And she'd be like, what? I just I turn the phone off, you know, like, no, you don't turn the phone off. You keep the volume on, you know. Um, so, but uh, dealing with it in a real funny way, but also a real way. It's very, it's a touching piece, but it's also super funny. And uh, so now some different theaters are starting to do the play outside of L.A. There's a theater in Leesburg, Florida, the Melon Pack Players, that will be doing the first production I'm not involved with uh, in January of 2022. Uh, that's kind of cool to see, you know, your work kind of go out into the world and uh, 
it's scary because I won't be involved, so I don't know. You know, when I do plays in LA, what I love about it different than doing movies and television when you do theater, it's I pick the play, I pick the music, I pick the set, I pick the actors. I don't have to run it by you know twelve people and their ex-wives to a, a, a yay or nay, you know, or committee or focus groups. You know, I've had TV shows and I've gone to those, watched those focus meetings, which are very, very interesting. I was doing a sitcom and, um, you know, they pull people in from the mall and, you know, they give them, you know, pizza and $20 and they have, you watch the sitcom you did and then they have a group and ask you lots of questions. You know, and they're in like, they're in like in Atlanta somewhere and we're in LA watching this. Uh, I remember one of the groups, it was a sitcom for Lifetime, and uh, one of the women in the group said, there was a line in the script where a teen girl said the word vagina. Well, the woman in the group was like, I would never, you have to cut that out, I would never say that word, and nobody in my family says that word. It's like, it's a a real medical term, you know? And, uh, well, we... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's clinical word and I was ready to like fight for that one I'm like come on I mean what you, I, I, I think I would have laughed at the lady first and then fought for it <laughs> I'm like yeah we did we couldn't believe we couldn't some of the things you hear and and you're so afraid that the network is going to because one person in one focus group and suddenly we're going to like change everything and those are the frustrating things about doing you know, mainstream television. Um, but there's also something exciting, and I've kind of had the habit of this. You know, I, I know I'm playing in a sandbox, and there's limits to this, but pushing the limits a little bit, you know, as much as, much as you can with, within the framework. Um, and sometimes you get away with it, and sometimes you don't, you know. Now, do you have to do a focus group uh, before you do, like, a sitcom, before they... T- like do the pilot uh after you film the pilot but before it goes to series so that's when um you know but before it goes to the focus group you just have everybody second guessing what america will like which there's no you don't know you know um i think they like you know sometimes you get caught up in the minutiae and and you can't second guess it's where the world is at it's the actors, it's the story. Do you fall in love with them? Do you want to come back to them every week? You know, that's why when people say, well, why is Golden Girls still on the air and kind of bigger than ever? It, it's like, you know, a magic in a bottle. Like, you don't know. It was just the right time, and those actors were also perfect in their roles. The stories that told were kind of ahead of their time, and people just wanted to, and it's, it's you know, funny still. That's that show is hilarious. Yeah. Um, uh, nice. <clears throat> no, no, I will not have a nice day. It's B. Arthur, and it's a line that I wrote. And sometimes I have and people make these like clothes and everything with them, with the, you know lines of mine. And sometimes I have to guilt them into to uh, sending them to me because um, I don't make any money off any of that. But I. I it, it is kind of weird to have like mugs and T-shirts and you know memes and you know everything. Yes, 
character. She's trying to get tickets to a Frank Sinatra concert. Uh, and, I, you know, I always get annoyed, you know, when you get on some of these calls with people and, you know, they always, so that, that's where it came from. They always end the call with, have a nice day. And so she, yeah, she's like, no, I will not have a nice day. Boom. <laughs> After all of that, you know, giving you hell, and then it's like, have a nice day. Or, yeah, uh, a new play that I'm working on, it's called Have a Good One. And it's about uh, uh, Abercrombie and Fitch um, type store in 1999 in the Midwestern Mall. And it's about four young people that work at the store. And really it's about the theme of what's beauty, who decides what's beautiful. Uh, and it also stemmed from uh i would look at pictures of myself you know 10 15 20 years ago and i was like you weren't so bad looking you know but at the time i thought i was just hideous like what is wrong that we can't appreciate where we are at the moment can you you know society I, society let's let's blame society yeah because it, it does promote uh, very uh, you, uh, youthful, good-looking people, you know, and they they create stores that like Abercrombie and Fish, which I can't even fit any of those clothes anyway, and you know it just kind of puts like fat shame on people that can't, you know, or or you know like take for anyone that doesn't look good working there works in the back, and all the good people work in the front. Well, so, one of our characters are those male greeters; they're called shirtless. And, you know, back in the day, they were mostly all white. So yes. we do deal with that. And who decided that that was what is, you know, the norm of looking pretty, you know? And I know I didn't feel that way. And so mm -hmm. uh, we wanted to examine that in a comedy. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and so I'm hoping if everything stays the way it's going in L.A., to uh, produce it as a play in September, October. But, you know, we, every day we don't know. So. It is all, all over the internet, which is so odd for a pilot script, not a filmed pilot, never picked up. It all turned into this worldwide story just from a script that we had that started um, at the network logo, and they hired my writing partner, Jim Berg and I, to write a gay man's golden girls, is what they called it. So what I, we wrote it, um, and what I've learned in the theater is, you have a reading to hear it out loud, because it's one thing to hear it in your head, and it's another when you have real actors. So I thought, we had written it with George Takei in mind. I didn't know George at all, I just, I somehow got his email and I wrote him an email and said, here's who I am. Here's the plot of the show. It's not even written yet, but we're thinking of doing a reading in, that, in August or whatever it was. Right away, I'm in. Like, okay. I was like, oh boy, okay. And then we got Leslie Jordan from Will and Grace, Melissa Peterman from uh, Reba, uh, Sherry O'Terry from Saturday Night Live. I mean, we got to Bruce Valanche. We got this great cast. And I was like, oh, my God, I think we have to invite the network. And the network, you know, usually you go to them. And I was telling them, come to my house in my living room. 
So they were like, well, okay, we, no one ever does that. And they came and I had a line producer there to explain, this is how we can film it for this amount of money, blah, 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 blah. Uh, the reading went great beyond expectations. And everyone was like, how did you make this happen? I was like, I don't know. It just, it came together. Uh, the network ultimately didn't have the money to make it. And so we attempted to get it to different uh, major networks to read it. Not one would open the script or read it. Oh, that's messed up. Uh, they said because uh, it's older characters, it's LGBTQ characters, it was a double combination. And I explained to them, like with Golden Girls, yes, they were older characters, but people of every age loved them. It didn't 100%. matter how, how much I explained it. They just, it's still in their head that, you know, older characters and demos, are, demographics are just not financially exciting to them, which is crazy because we all have more money than probably kids have and are spending it. So I didn't understand that. And I ended up uh, talking about it when I was doing publicity for a web series that I was doing. And that story about, you know, prejudice from my, you know, entertainment community to even read a script, that story became a story and that went worldwide. Um, and, uh, but I'm still pursuing it uh, in the meantime, because I'm not someone that gives up. My writing partner and I turned it into a, a play, a one set play. And then over COVID, we did a reading with George Takei, who is, is very involved and wants to get it produced uh, in New York. And then we That's also a great place for it. Daniel Davis, who was on The Nanny, the British butler. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. He's not British. But uh, so he was in uh, upstate New York and we did a, a, a Zoom reading. George Takei was at his house in L.A. And then we had uh, Jim J. Bullock from Too Close for Comfort. He was, yes, he was in yes. Palm Springs. <clears throat> and then the director was in Manhattan. And we were all doing it on Zoom. And it was very important for us to hear the play with real actors. And so um, that was a great experience. You know, the story, the, 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 I mean, I haven't heard like the plot or nothing like that. But just what you're describing now, it's, it sounds like something that's really cool and something that I want to watch. So, you know, diversity is what makes a show. And, you know, the, the fact that the networks didn't pick it up is kind of their loss because that's what that's this is what the 21st century is about diversity. It doesn't matter. Background, religion, sexual orientation. It, it, it's all interesting. So and, you know, even with the, the golden, older, older people, we don't get older people. We don't get to hear points of view. And nope. that's it's still it's still sad. So uh, the pilot story we actually came up with after um, we saw a documentary called Gen Silent. And in the documentary, it talked about, and I love documentaries. I could watch documentaries literally all day long. But uh, it talked about how LGBT elders had to go back in the closet when they went to assisted living. I had never is, heard of that. I and never heard just, of that either. It blew my mind thinking you spend your life getting free and then you turn a certain age and you got to go backwards. And even that people that were in couples, they couldn't touch anymore when they were in public spaces. And that was just so sad. Um, 
So we found a way to make that the story. So we, that's why we cast Leslie Jordan. We, we wanted to find the gayest man alive who had to butch it up and hide his true self. <laughs> uh, and that was that was and in the end, George Takei and his uh, ex lover, but they still live together, take him into their house in Palm Springs. And that's how they become kind of a family. You know, the we should have more TV shows with like older actors because, you know, I mean, all right. Golden Girls absolutely worked. It was about a uh, bunch of older women living together in Florida. Right. And yes. it, it, it worked. Wow. It was the show was funny. It was entertaining. You learned some things. And uh, the movie Cocoon also involved older people, and that movie is a timeless classic gem from the 80s. It works. So, you know, maybe this country has not only, you know, gotten behind a person's looks, but they're also ageist as well. So, And it's okay. I see people, you know, online or even on TV still making fun of old people. Like, that's okay to do. And you're like, Mm-mm. no, that's not. Or, 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 you know, they'll just think it's funny. Oh, Old people, they don't know how to work computers or whatever, and that's not true. So it's just, uh, and and but it's still. I mean, and it, and if I might chime in, we have a thousand TV shows and movies with straight people. It's time to see more LGBTQ uh, type movies. I think it'd be great. Everybody, there should be. My whole thing is like we shouldn't. It's a, a friend said it really great. He was like, you shouldn't have to dim someone's light to, to make the other person shine. You know, Absolutely. obviously we haven't had, you know, representation of, you know, uh, black shows or Asian leads. But we can all, you know, shine. And, and I, I think it'd be great if we all get together and make those shows so they're not so, you know, just everyone in their corners. It's, uh, we live in this planet all together. And there's there's room enough for all of that. And uh, I have never been with those people. I've had friends that hoped other people's pilots wouldn't go because they felt then theirs could go. And I'm like, no, you've got to celebrate them. Your time in your room will come when it's meant to. Absolutely. Now, here is where I mentioned the documentary, The Celluloid Closet, and how much I appreciated it. Oh, yeah, that was... Then I went on to make some point that I'm not a lip reader, so I can't uh, say what it would be. Me too. So we saw it, my writing partner and I saw it at a film festival, and on the way back to the car, we thought, in the movie, I don't know if you remember, but they talked about how the, the women's movement, the black movement, and the gay movement kind of all um, intersected in the summer of 69. And we're walking back to the car, and we said, wouldn't that be so interesting if we could find a character that could kind of fall into that world and see all of that? And we came up with this uh, suburban housewife story who went to Greenwich Village to save her sister from becoming a hippie and got involved in all of those movements. And we wrote a script, and we thought, you know, our agent's going to kill us because it was so specific. And I remember my mother had to ask my father permission to go visit her sister in Ann Arbor. And I remember the kid going, just go. Like, why are you asking him if you can go? And she had to make meals for the entire weekend for us because God forbid my father, you know, figured out how to use an oven. Um, or 
boil some hot dogs. Um, <laughs> and so that became the story. And then because I was obsessed with Lily Tomlin, my writing partner and I decided instead of going through agents, we would just hire a messenger and send it to her with a note to her backstage where she was doing her one-woman show. And uh, two weeks later, our agent called and said, why is Lily Tomlin calling me? And she loved the script and wanted to do it. And there was a huge big war. And it's still at Universal today with a lot of money against it. And, but I got to become friends with Lily Tomlin, who I've adored since I was a little kid. And we're both from Detroit. And suddenly, here I am, hanging out with her, like having dinners and talking. And, you know, and so. Um, was that the search for intelligent signs of life in the universe? Yes, she was doing um, that play then. I saw that film in a double feature with Spalding Gray's Monster in a Box. Oh my God, wow, yeah. So I've seen her do that many, many, many times. Uh, And she's she's so extraordinary in it. And such a, I mean, I remember the first time we actually had dinner with her and I said to my writing partner, you are not to leave the table. I don't care how, if you have to go to the bathroom, don't leave me alone with her. Because I felt like she's so brilliant and so smart, and I'm just this, you know, mumbling idiot in front of her. So we didn't, uh, none of us left the table. We walked her to the car, the valet, we got her in the car. And for some reason, we walked around the side of the restaurant and peed on the side of a wall. In <laughs> um, so you know you've made it. You've had dinner with Lily Tomlin at a fancy restaurant, and you're peeing against a wall. <laughs> she's phenomenal she she definitely is um so go ahead tyson no no go ahead go oh i thought you were going to say something oh okay hey you're welcome so uh you're uh, both too kind to each other you gotta stop <laughs> <laughs> um it, it happens it, it happens quite often on this show. So if you uh, ever listen to the earlier episodes of this show, um, I am the uh, quiet one um, because I never. So before this, like I wasn't a talker. And I think that was kind of like my downfall because people thought I was a jerk or an asshole. And like, oh, this guy's just, you know, just standing there. He's not saying nothing. He's, you know, disrespectful. No, it's because I was shy. Didn't want to talk. You know, I was gauging the the, the room before I started talking. Now you can't shut me up, and sometimes they still think you're a jerk and all right, right, kind of. So, <laughs> but every once in a while we trip over each other. So I, I try to, you know, if he's going to say something, like, okay, you know, say it, you know, I can wait. Yeah, yeah. My partner and I, we we've worked so long together that we know when to finish each other's sentences, and it's just something I can hear in his voice when it starts to like slightly go down. I literally jump in and finish it, and we keep going, and we do that. So when we go to a pitch session, people like it's like watching a really good tennis match. <laughs> we often will get that's the best pitch I've ever heard. We're not buying it, but watching you two was like it was, it was theater. Um, so it it is uh, interesting working with another human being. You have a heart out, sir. How dare you? You're not allowed to talk like that these days. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I apologize. Uh, I'm sorry. I have, that, I, have, that, I, have that, I have a heart out. That, that was an easy one. Sorry. I could, <laughs> oh, I, I see. Um, I set you up for a drink. Right, um, I, should I have like a signal when I'm ready to go? Oh, like Carol Burnett. Yeah, 
Well, I'd only bring it up because uh, for our first-time guests, I usually create a little game that uh, the three of us play. Uh, if you would care to, I, I could we could launch into it. Let's go for it. All right, give me one moment, and I will be, I'll be right back. No, no, no. Oh, no. Here. <laughs> Are there drugs involved? <laughs> uh, I wish. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, so, dear, dear, dear. I love that he's still talking. So, literally, I was going to say, dear listener, but uh, before Tyson gets into it, really quick, I have been the uh, champion on this show, or as far as this game is concerned, since the inception, and I actually got my ass handed to me the last couple of times. So. Like the Undertaker has to redeem himself at WrestleMania, I have to now be like the Undertaker, and I have to rest, stand soul in peace, and I have to redeem myself. If you say so. As a kid, I my dad took us to big time wrestling in Detroit. Hmm. Oh, I okay. bring up wrestling, so I went. I went to a lot of those, uh, Bobo Brazil and the Sheik. Oh, for, for those fans, for those yes. fans out there, yes. There you go. That's actually my introduction to wrestling was that era of um so when they did the cartoon on Saturday mornings, uh the wrestling super show I think it was called. So you were talking Hulk Hogan and Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov and Captain Lou Albano. I go I go before all that, yeah. So who's who's your first uh, favorite wrestler? Well, I think it was the Bobo Brazil in, Bobo in Detroit. Brazil. I don't oh, know okay. who it was. So as you as you as you said. <laughs> All right, what's this game? So this here? this game is called "What do these mean words mean?" So, what do mean word? Mean, yeah, M E A N. About I'm going to say eight or so years ago, I went to Powell's Books in Oregon and I picked up a book that, if I held it hold it up, it'll be probably re- reversed. Let's see. Oh, maybe not. It looks like oh, no, or, yeah, or it'll be completely obscured. Uh, yes. No, no, no. Take no, it back. Take no, it back. Take it back. There we go. There go. Well, Stay. it is reversed. Stay. It says depraved and insulting English. And what this is, it's a gl- it's a it's a bunch of words uh, words to offend and amuse that are no longer in uh, popular usage, and they've compiled them from A to Z. And I have selected five. I just have to tell you right up front, I'm going to lose. That's fine. Okay, because I was not a reader as a kid, and for some reason, I that was bragging rights. I didn't. And that's why I never thought I could be a writer, because I didn't read. So with that, <laughs> we shall proceed. I, I was going to ask, uh, what was the your favorite thing that you didn't read? But, sorry. That's a... <laughs> uh, everything, everything Shakespeare, uh, everything. Uh, like, I didn't, re- didn't read. I didn't read. Uh, Tartuffe? Oh, uh, so it's, I saw Tartuffe. I, uh, it's, that word is actually in that book. I almost used it, but it's... Uh, yeah, because it actually has a definition. I should actually give you an example of it. So let me actually do that one real quick, or I'll find uh, Tartuffe in here. I've seen a version of Tar. No, sorry, I saw Labette, which was, I guess, Moliere-esque. Uh, you know, certainly yeah. inspired by Moliere, and it was fantastic. I saw it in Ashland, Oregon, about now twenty years ago or something. Tartuffe. Okay, so a Tartuffe. It's a noun. It is a religious hypocrite, one who affects piety. And so I guess. People used to call other people tartuffes to be rude. Oh, you're giving us the definition. Here I was going into like thinking mode, like, okay, he's giving us the first. You no, know. that's the example. So that, that word is actually so in that word. the game? We have to say what the meaning is? Well, yeah, so yes. I'll, I'll give you a word. I'll spell it. I'll tell you whether it's a noun, adjective, verb, or whatever. And then I'll give you three things that I it could mean. That's not there. He's going to get them all right now because he's... 
No, I promise. I, I promise you, I won't because the Please. last couple of times, I, I swear to you, I, I've been dive bombing, and I mean, my winds ha- has gotten so bad that I became like kind of like a shithead about it. So I was like, I'm the champion, and yeah, I'm like you know Hunter Mania and all this crap, and and then yeah, I got shut down, and for the first time, and, and when I got shut down, I was like, oh, like that. I was like really upset, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you later, but. You know, I, I kind of think that the opponent had some inside help there. Uh, <coughs> Tyson, excuse me. And uh, that's why I lost the championship belt, and uh, I'm coming for you, brother. Okay. Uh, but are, you, are you just the host, Tyson? You're not playing? Oh, no, I've, yeah, I've, I've he's, created the quiz. He's, yes, he's the host. Okay. I am so the, we're the contestants. I got my hosting jacket. All right. Yes, it's, it's like a game show. Uh, so this is what do these mean words mean? The first word... Uh, starts with an S. It is scaphism. Uh, I will spell that. It is S-C-A-P-H-I-S-M. And it is a noun. Scaphism. So, I will give you three choices. Does scaphism mean the practice of sourcing food primarily from donations... Is it belief in constant exterior improvement? Or is it C, the practice of covering a victim in honey and strapping him to a hollow tree exposed to stinging insects in order to inflict a lingering death? Hunter, your answer? B. Hunter says B. I was going to say B, too. And Mr. Zimmerman also says B. So you were. Are you, in fact, going to say B? Yes, I am. It is, in fact, C. Scaphism is the practice of covering a victim in honey and strapping him to a hollow tree exposed to stinging insects in order to inflict a lingering death. So they they candyman. It literally means to candyman someone's ass. I guess so. The candyman from the Clive Barker thing? Yes. Tying someone to a tree? Mm -hmm. Specifically a hollow tree exposed to stinging insects. So I'm guessing that the... Why would you do that to somebody? I don't know. It's a form of punishment. Well, let's see. In, in fact, it might actually have an explanation in here. Uh, well, did, uh, Stan, did you ever see uh, The Candyman? No, but my friend produced the original, Alan Poole. Oh. For Bernard Rose? Uh, yeah, so I, I went to the screening of that, the opening night. Of, yeah. I always wondered about, um, uh, I mean, it's one of my favorite uh, soundtracks and of that of Philip Glass, but like the name, uh, so there's, there's two characters in Lost who are a couple, one whose name was Bernard and the other whose name was Rose, and I always wondered if that was an actual reference to Bernard Rose, because certainly uh, the entertainment industry is not above making that kind of joke. So, so scaphism, it is the practice, is what I said. So anyway, and then in quotes it says, Ferdinand was an excellent torturer and a tireless self-promoter as well. Just that morning, he had sent placards to all the local inquisitors reading, quote, Thumbscrews not working? Why not give scaphism a try? Affordable rates, group discounts. It's <laughs> colorful. There you go. Okay. That is colorful. It's currently, I thought I, heard, I thought I heard of every fetish, but now there's a new one. <laughs> People are sick. Yeah, that's pretty bad. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, well, I, I don't know. I don't know what's worse, that or BronyCon. I'm still having. I, I'm not sold on the whole. You know, grown men going to something that was designed for little girls, the the My Little Pony thing. But hey, listen, I don't yuck anyone's yum. So it, that's just me. It's, it's an. It's, 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 go ahead. It's all 
But clean fun, it's okay. It's an entertaining cartoon. It's very it's true. Good it's animation. True. I like animation, but you know, uh, I wouldn't. I don't, I don't know if I'd. I've never been to a con as for anything, unfortunately. Um, but one day, one day after COVID, I plan on. You go to uh, D two three. Is that the Disney thing? Yeah, so they did. Uh, they brought me down there. They did a big uh, Golden Girls uh, panel, you know, and they had the rattan furniture and a bunch of people from the show, and it was like thousands of people. But it was so cool to walk through and to see. I mean, all the characters. I mean, it was the entire Anaheim Convention Center. It was wild. I loved it. I don't mean to. I don't mean to act like a fangirl, but. Yeah. You may be the only person that can answer this question for for all of us out there. Is Betty White a vampire? Uh, yes, suck <laughs> the blood out of B. Arthur. There's your there's your quote. See, I knew it. If I do, get, I, I love. If I do get, I our, love Betty White. Sorry, go ahead. Oh yeah, she's great. Um, uh, I uh, definitely would like to get down to Los Angeles one of these days and uh, visit. Uh, actually, what I'd really like to do is I'd like to do the live Christmas event for Combat Radio one of these days. So be- oh, let's give a shout out to Ethan. Hey, Ethan. Yes, we love Ethan and we love Loda. Oh yes, and Loda. Yes, Loda is in my um, sitcom pilot writing class. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah. She's very talented, and I'm really looking forward to. Uh, we're going to level two uh, next month. Oh, we can't leave out Sean, of course, whose idea Ooh. was to do the Christmas event. I mean, Sean, I've known since a little girl, and mm. you know what she created with the whole Christmas thing. I I got to MC it one year, um, you know, one of those outdoor things, and it was. Mm. And I'm like, well, who's going to be walking by? And he's like, just get up there and talk. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you co-host with Caroline Hennessy that year? Yes. So I did it with Carolyn Hennessy one year, uh, and I directed her in a play, actually. And, um, yeah, so uh, Ethan got me over my stage fright, because in the beginning when I would do his show, and he, he started asking me to come in and co-host with him. And I said, well, I, I need to be prepared. Just tell me who it's going to be so I can, you know, do some studying. Well, that's not the way Ethan works. It's like whoever shows up, you know. And then suddenly it's Sheila E. walking in the door, and it's like, okay, uh, here we go. Wow. Uh, glamorous look. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that, that's, that is something. Yeah, that uh, just that's so hard to imagine. Uh, but, yeah, one of these days I'll need to try and get down there. Well, when I say one of these well, days, actually, obviously, you have to be that particular time of year. Yes, Hunter. You and me both, because he actually reached out to me, because I've been involved since I'm 31 with, um, you know, just, just the promoting thing. I haven't actually been to a live event of it yet, but... Mm-hmm. Um, he's been talking for quite a few years about getting me to fly out there and which I want to do, um, obviously, but now COVID happened and it's like, well, we can't go nowhere. At least I can't anyway. So, um, but I do, I would, I would really love to get out there, uh, during the whole event and just, you know, be a part of it. Cause it, it really is an awesome, awesome cause. Yeah. It's really, really special. And for Sean to have thought of it as a little girl and it says a lot about her parents. Too. Yes, it does, and she's making me feel old, by the way, because <laughs> when I first when I first met Ethan, uh, she was like, what was she like, ten, seven years old, something like that. In twenty twelve. In twenty twelve, right? I was I had been thirty two at the time, so like I was I was you know, I was younger than I am now, and it's just like now I'm just like, dude, you got to stop growing up because 
as the older you get, the older I get, and I don't like it. <laughs> I think I was 38 in 2012, something like that. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's right, dude. You had, like, the long ponytail like you do now, and you had, like, the uh, well, the goatee going on like you, like you do now. I literally thought this guy was Tyson from Earth 2, and... Uh, kind of frightened me a little bit because that's where my mind goes sometimes so you know one of these times i'll be yeah you know, we'll, we'll do a show and i'll I, he won't see me he'll see the back of my head i'll turn around to camera <laughs> and i'll be like a new me um all righty shall we move to the all second right. word two. Word two. all righty uh the Let's next we'll stop when one of us gets one right how about that well, <laughs> it's, it's like you know three hours from now Right. Well, there's only there's only five, so it's it. Uh, okay. But this is exactly what the purposes of this to generate conversation. So I'm not that we you know we're, we were doing fine, but uh, so we are currently the score is zero all. Uh, next word starts with a T. Word is time server. It is a noun. Uh, does time server mean one who is in uh, sorry one who is frequently imprisoned? Uh, is it a person who changes his opinions to fit the times or to be compliant with a superior? Or is it one who maintains their schedule at the expense of everyone else's? First one. Hunter is going with A. I was going to say A, too. So. Really? Should I pick a different one so we'll have a different score? Sure. Give it, give it a shot. We'll see. All right. Uh, uh, the third one. Third one. The third one is one who maintains their schedule. So let me put you down for that. Uh, it was actually B. It's okay. A, a time server is a person who changes his opinions to fit the uh, times or to be compliant with a superior. I told you I've been dive bombing on this crap lately. I think it's a conspiracy, uh, Stan. I, I really do. The funny thing is, each time I think I'm going to... Anyway, let's do another one. That's fine. Uh, shall I uh, give the uh, example for what the... the read the... Read the uh... No, I think we go to the next one. All right. Fair enough. Uh, I'm done with the time server. <laughs> I have to change my opinion. Um, all right. This next word begins with an A. And it is... It's about five syllables. Abidocomist. Abidocomist. That is spelled A-B-Y-D-O-C-O and then M-I-S-T, like mist. So it's, so it's not a beetle It's not a beetle coming, like one of the five beetles maybe having an orgasm? One of the five beetles. No, no, in fact, it is not. Uh, and yes, the stress is on the fourth syllable. Yes, sorry? Father on a hollow tree. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, okay. the stinging beetles. What are three options here? Three options, yes. Is it uh, A, a liar who boasts of his or her falsehood? Uh, B, one whose stuttering is punctuated with spittle? Or C, a disgraced nun? A disgraced nun. Hunter's going with C as a disgraced B. nun. Say again? B. B is one whose... And... Uh, the score is still zero zero. It is actually a liar who boasts of his or her falsehood. Dude, I never sucked this bad. <laughs> we were terrible at this. Well, nobody's winning, so I mean, it's it's you know. <laughs> I never sucked this bad. It's like, oh well. You know who's winning? Everybody who listens to this. That's <laughs> there it. You go. Oh, there we go. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. All right. What's the third one? Uh, this is actually the fourth one. It is uh, starts with an N. 
and uh, the word is niterosity. That oh, is, yeah, this is like some fucking pervert that rips people in the night, right? Uh, it is spelled N I D O R O S I T Y. It is a noun. What's the word again? Night or what? Niterosity. Niterosity. Uh, is niterosity, it is noun, is it an idiotic idea? The lowest part of a reptile's anatomy or a belch that tastes of cooked meat? B. Hunter is going with B. Mr. Z. A. Going with A, which is an idiotic idea. Okay. I forgot how to draw an S. It is C, a belch the taste of cooked meat. No, 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 no. I still say it's some creepy pervert that goes out in the night and probably defiles old women. That's what I'm saying. That's what that word is. See, see, you see this guy up in here, man? Sorry. Uh, let's see here. So, yes, niterosity. Nothing but love, Tyson. Nothing but love, brother. I understand. Uh, all right. Final word of the game. Final. Right, we we, we got to get this both wrong. Here's a chance to tie it up or to... Uh, <laughs> actually, you're already tied, so we'll see if we can tie it at one. Or one of you can pull ahead. Uh, this word starts with a Z. There are not very many Z words in, in uh, this book. There are actually three, and uh, I've picked this one. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, the word is Zower Swapped. It is spelled Z O W E R S W O P P E D. It is an adjective. Adjective. Zower Swapped. So, is Zower Swapped foul tempered? Foul-smelling, or wearing one's belt too tightly. B. B is foul-smelling. Hunter goes with B. I'm going to go with B as well. The answer is A. It was foul-tempered. Yes, we did it. Yay. We did it. We lose. Five. <laughs> High five, buddy. There you go. Congratulations. Oh, yeah. That is we, the first so, time. That is the first time that I never got at least one right. Oh my god. Well played. <clears throat> so so now now of course do you uh, do you know what that all the first letters of each word spells out? Oh yes. Yeah. So the first word starts with an S. Uh, the second word starts with a T. The third word starts with an A. The uh, fourth word starts with an N. And the fifth word starts with a Z. Ding, 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 ding. That's a great way to end the show. Thank you guys so much. That's my heart out for you. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> thank us. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for being here. Thank you. And thank you, Hunter. I see all the likes that you do, and I really appreciate it. You're and welcome. I've been noticing it for years, and I really, I really do. It means a lot. And uh, you're welcome. And it was great to, you know, put a face to the, you know, and and talking, and know that you're as dumb as I am. <laughs> that's great. That's very comforting. We'll great. have to, uh, we'll have to get you back on uh, when you can, of course. 
Yeah. Been very nice meeting you. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Yes, very nice meeting you. Good night. Bye. Good night. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. And ladies and gentlemen, that was Stan Zimmerman. (sighs) That was was awesome, dude. That was awesome. It was quite fun. Uh, Let me go ahead and take this jacket off real quick. Yeah, yeah. I'll just keep talking to the fans. Okay, I won't be able to hear it. Whatever so, you want. Well, that's fine. Of, oh, look, yeah, it looks like my fine. head's about to come off if I do this, because my <laughs> part of my body was disappearing. I can't um, get it to do that again. Oh, well. <laughs> so, uh, listeners, that was uh, Stan Zimmerman. And uh, so the one question I did want to ask him, but I didn't get a chance to ask him, was uh, how was it on Roseanne? Um, but that's okay, though, because we know that he was uh, pressed for time, and uh, you know I'm grateful that uh, he was able to come on. So, out of the blue, mm-hmm. and I, I, in fact, I was talking to Tyson last Saturday. I was sitting in the studio here, and uh, we were talking about the show, different ideas, things like that. And in fact, I think I initiated the conversation. Anyway, um, I had reached out to uh, Stan here, Stan Zimmerman, and I said, you know what? Fuck it. I mean, it can't hurt to ask somebody to, you know, if they are interested or did they want to come on or whatever. And uh, I'm glad I did because this was awesome. I had fun. Even though uh, we both lost the game, that's okay though. Um, it was it was still quite awesome. So I thank him for coming on, taking the time out of his busy schedule for making it happen. And he's an awesome guy. So yes, indeed, that was quite fun. Um, I yes, I I uh, resisted asking just questions about Golden Girls because it was my impulse to do so. But I uh, uh, I'm glad I, I managed to I managed to not uh, do that too much. Well, it was my it was my impulse to ask him about Roseanne because I am the lost Connor kid, uh, literally and figuratively. Um, I grew up in that household, and you know there was a lot of I mean like I'm uh, there's a lot of questions I definitely wanted to ask him, but uh, mm-hmm. you know I thought it may be more important to talk about his new stuff. So oh, yeah. know, since he since he dove into his new projects, why not? Because we can always bring him on a different time and ask him about like Roseanne, Golden Girls, things like that. Because again, mm-hmm. um, I started watching Golden Girls when I was probably eight or nine years old, just to watch it and uh, fell in love with it. It's it's definitely uh, it's it's different of its time mm-hmm. uh, time period, and it's the '80s. I'm not like trying to make myself sound older than I really am, but back then it was definitely a different time period. So to have 1985, uh, actually, yes. So to, so to have a strong all female cast. Um, particularly older uh, all-female cast was incredible because you got to see what it was like to be an older woman um, and the everyday lives and, and or everyday trials. And, you know, like the one time they were in the convenience store trying to find out the, the price of condoms, it was uh, mm. it was uh, Dorothy and it was um, – what was Betty White's uh, character's name? In the, in, um, Rose. Rose Nyland. Rose, yes. So they were in a uh, drugstore or convenience store, whatever it was, and they were they were buying condoms because they were going on vacations with their boyfriends, and they were you know they were kind of embarrassed when the guy said, "Attention, attention, please. Uh, how much are the pack of condoms? Attention, please. We need a price check on some condoms." And they were visibly embarrassed, but it was it was definitely nice. I mean, sorry for their embar- embarrassment, but it was definitely nice to see like that. Elderly people go through the same shit we do. Sure, um, it was also you know, a very so. poignant show at times. Like it, it had a, yes. a good amount of emotion. Uh, there was an episode that uh, dealt with birthdays, I believe. There might have been more than one, but like there was one specifically. Like there, there was a funny segment where Rose had taken uh, 
Dorothy to a to, to have a birthday at a place that was clearly for children because it was also hosted by a clown, uh, Mister Haha, I believe was the name of it, and and she, Dorothy just wasn't having it. And uh, but in the same episode, there was a very touching um, uh, scene with pretty much just Betty White. Uh, I think just giving essentially kind of like a monologue, or I don't know, it's not really called a monologue in that. It was a one-hander, I don't know. But she's talking, uh, she's basically celebrating the birthday of her dead husband, Charlie, I believe, was it? So, so she's, oh, kind, yeah. she's kind of she, having uh, a conversation with him, basically. He's not there, but... You yes, know, you know. yes, 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 I remember that. Because didn't, um, and, it, and it's actually pretty weird because uh, there was a scene from Roseanne where pretty much the same thing happened. But hmm. didn't um, didn't uh, Rose talk about her dead husband quite often, like throughout the throughout the season she or the series? It. Certainly mentioned, yeah, him. Like I mean, here Charlie, and there. Charlie yeah, came up. yeah. Well, it was yeah, it was definitely. I think it had happened fairly recently, um, uh, uh, it, but I don't actually remember how how long it had been uh, canonically in the show. So um, I remember. Uh, now, keep in mind, a very young hunter was watching the Golden Girls. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember certain, like I said, I remember certain scenes, certain things. Like, I don't remember, like, seasons and things like that. But mm-hmm. um, for me, it was like, I don't know, it was, like, weird because I, I wasn't, like, your typical uh, child. Um, like, for example, um, I found what was entertaining what most people or most kids probably wouldn't. Like, for example, Golden Girls. Entertaining as f- um, and excuse my French, Tyson, sorry. Um, and uh, Roseanne, for example, um, to me, like as a kid, I may probably not have understood like what the attraction was, but now as an adult, mm-hmm. I realize that you know the, the Connors were just blue collared, you know, a blue collared family, you know, house, all that good stuff, you know, a couple kids, mm-hmm. and you know, sometimes they had like their ups, sometimes they had their downs and in betweens and things like that, and mm-hmm. um. I think I understand what my attraction was as an adult, more so as a child, but uh, definitely when I was a child, and I want to say as far back as age, like probably eight or nine when I was watching Roseanne and the Golden Girls. And uh, yeah, so I wasn't uh, your typical child. Like I enjoyed things like Dragnet, um, My Three Sons, Dobie Gillis. Oh, uh, Dobie Gillis, yeah. yeah. Yep. I, I remember watching... Uh, I like Dragnet Night. a lot. Dragnet was... Yes. Dragnet was... And Harry Morgan... Yep. yep. My favorite was the one where the guy was running around dressed in a superhero's costume stealing movie posters. Oh, I and, didn't see that one. Oh, yeah. It was so heartbreaking. So at the end, he was caught, right? Okay. And he was about to be arrested. And he basically turned his head against one of the superhero posters and he was crying. And when they took him away, like the, the because the way they shot it, the way he was crying, mm-hmm. special effects and things like that, the poster... I think it was Superman. He was actually having tears come down his eyes. So, I mean, it, some of those um, the Dragnet episodes were phenomenal. I, I'll have to go back and watch some. And I definitely watched a, a, a bunch of them uh, back when I lived in Washington. I think they were on Netflix or something. So it was either Netflix or it was something that came with the cable service because that's where I saw Topsy Turvy was with the thing that came with the cable service. It was like Xfinity or Comcast or something. I don't know. You know what's weird? Lots of things, but what do you have in mind? Well, well, I, 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 uh, dear listener, I didn't want to. Uh, I, I really did not want to uh, make Stan uncomfortable because I certainly could act in like a fangirl. Um, but 
kind of like um, Ralph Garman, you know, when he became friends with uh, Adam West and he was a fan of Adam West's Batman when he was a really little kid mm-hmm. to grow up to be an adult, to be his friend. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm not saying that Stan uh, Zimmerman considers me uh, a friend or anything like that, but it was cool to be a part of his world when I was a kid to grow up to finally talk to the guy that was behind Roseanne and the Golden Girls and, of course, very Brady Punch because I love that or sequel because I love that movie as well. Mm-hmm. Um it was it was cool, you know. It, add to the things sure. or the cool things I done when I'm like seventy years old, and I'm like, you know what I did? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, sure. I was uh, I never thought I'd be able to talk to Andy Dick about um, you know any of the things. Yes, that, that I, too. Yeah, that too. Like ever, so, you know, get to tell him that I enjoyed things like In the Army Now and and God Spoke the Making of or any of those, you know. Or it's because I didn't really watch news radio. I just wasn't. I wasn't watching TV around that time. I started watching some of it recently. It's funny, you know. I'll probably watch more of it. Um, with the, Roseanne, I was not really on my radar because it was on ABC. And as we've said, as I mentioned on the show before, there was a time period where if you didn't have cable, you weren't watching ABC in my neck of the woods. I think that's true for everywhere because back then, like, if you didn't have cable, you had like what five basic channels. That was it. Like the we local stations. We had three channels. Yeah, we had three, six, and and nine. Three was okay. So when it started, three. Well, when I when I was a, a child, it was three was um, sorry, not nine. It was three, six, and thirteen. So three was. Give me a second. So it started off where three was CBS, six mm-hmm. six was ABC. So it was ABC for a while, and then thirteen was PBS. So that's where I watched Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers and all that stuff, right? So sometime in the mid eighties, like around mid like the run of the Gummy Bears cartoon. So, I love that cartoon when I was a kid. Which were they were on ABC. ABC, let's all be there. You know, and like you'd watch the Saturday morning cartoons and they have like the three D animated roller coaster thing and then go into the commercial. Yeah, anyway, so that basically it switched and it, 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 there was a big switch and then three became NBC. CBS moved to six and PBS did the same. So ABC was gone. So I didn't get to watch Roseanne. I didn't get to watch Twin Peaks. I think the A team might have been on that as well. I'm not sure. But there was other stuff. And also, uh, there was a time period where it was like, I'm not going to be watching TV. But, but you know, if uh, I probably would have watched Roseanne if, um, if I had access to it. I, I knew people who watched it and thought it was funny. People would talk about oh, it. Oh, dude. I'll, I'll tell you what, man. The Jehovah's to, Witnesses to, across the street thought Roseanne was funny. To uh, to grow up uh, watching Roseanne, it was definitely um, you, you learned a lot. And um, the one thing they didn't talk about, except for maybe like two times, was was um, poli- uh, po- uh, politics and um, religion. Except the one time when they were explaining it to uh, DJ when he was little little kid mm-hmm. and of course when the when the when the politician came to the door and roseanne's like let me take you through the neighborhood and show you what it's really like um but it was there was just something special about the show back then and then major disappointment when they brought it back um and it just went awry and they had to force um you know her off the show roseanne off the show mm-hmm. but they made it in such a way where she had died on the show and uh yeah i cried um <laughs> i cried uh when uh jackie was having a moment with was either darlene or becky uh, no darlene and um it was right after they decided to keep the show going as a connors mm-hmm. uh, drop roseanne her character died mm-hmm. uh, and you know it just it was a it was a very tender moment so 
I think what I was crying for, I wasn't really crying for the actual person of Roseanne because I don't agree with how she's been. Mm-hmm. Um, although that could be a mental thing. I'm not really sure because I'm not her friend or on her, not in her private life. I understand. But I was, I was crying for the character itself because that's what I grew up with. That's what I knew. So that's what that was the sad part. So yeah, I you know I'd watch it that uh, just to see. Um, like I don't. I wonder how. I mean, they're actresses, you know. I wonder how difficult it was for them to act sad, depending on how upset or actually sad they were. Like, could they just tap into how upset they were that they couldn't work with her anymore or that they went through this thing? Because part of them's got to be happy that they've got a job still. Oh, yeah, 100%. But the other part's like... I'm just you well, know, keeping it real. They, it's like, hey, we're yeah, still no, employed, no, no. you know? <laughs> it's, right. There's a lot of... Because no, there's a lot of people that had come together to make that show happen again. Oh, yeah. And a oh, lot yeah. of... You know, a few of them on, on record as being fairly angry and, and about what ended up happening and how it could have just all gone down the drain for all of them. So I'm sure, sure there was a, a great deal of relief. So now imagine that. Now you're, you're relieved, but you've got to be sad. But you are actually sad. Because there was well, something that existed before where it's like, you know, we're all friends here. And then it's like, well, except now, you know, now we can't be friends with this one person. We can't be seen with this one person. This is the person who's responsible for the show. We've still got to do our acting thing. And Well, take like, um, and, and, and I hope to bring him on the show uh, eventually, so I'm not bashing him. So just in case anyone hears this, it gets back to him. Mm-hmm. Um, me and the wife love The Big Bang Theory. And my favorite character, I mean, aside from like you would think like the obvious Johnny Galecki, uh, Galecki because he was on Roseanne, hmm. but it's not. He's my second favorite. My my first favorite is um, is Sheldon Cooper, and it was because Shel, uh, uh, actual Jim Parsons. I think he didn't want to sign up for another uh, two seasons or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why they ultimately stopped at season twelve. Um, so I'm not bashing him because I want him to come on the show eventually at some point because I would love to have a conversation with him. Absolutely love the Big Bang Theory. Season um, 12. Yeah, so after season 12, they wow. probably could have gone on for two more seasons, <laughs> but he he wanted to go on and do something else. Mm-hmm. So it's like um, I'm, not bl- I'm not blaming him because, sure. like I said, I want, I want him to come back. I want him to come on, not come back. Come on the show eventually at some point. Well, you know uh, – Always, I'm always grateful when people are guests on the show when they come on. Um, yes, 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 yes. I remember what I was going to say now. We get, yes. we get a listenership spike uh, out of Columbus, Ohio, every now and then. Really? Yeah, really? I, yeah, and I don't know why. I don't know who's listening in Columbus, Ohio, but thank you. And uh, you <laughs> Hell know, yeah, thank you. And why haven't y'all reached out to us on social media? I need to know this isn't like an anomaly. So if you're a listener yes. from, in Columbus, Ohio, or, or thereabouts, please, um, you know, at, at the show, it's anti-social show and the numeral one. It's I'm on REVT23 on Twitter, and uh, Hunter is zombie bacterium, uh, Z-O-M-B-I-E-B-A-C-T-E-R-I-U-M. I, I will go you one further, because... Hmm. Um, my, one of my favorite zombie movies is Zombieland and, uh, one of the main characters is Columbus as in Columbus, Ohio. So Columbus, I will, Columbus, Ohio. Isn't that Emma Stone? Uh, Is she Columbus? Uh, No, it's Jesse Eisenberg. Oh, Jesse Eisenberg is Columbus. Okay. From New Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Columbus, I will do you one better. I will personally right now, here and now in front of our other listeners and our co-hosts. 
Um, I will personally invite you on this show. You can have an hour, two hours. I don't care. Uh, reach out to us. Well, okay, three hours is a little much, but maybe an hour. Uh, I will personally invite you on the show uh, if you reach out to us. So when we don't have – see, I'm telling the truth. He's, he's sneezing. So Columbus, reach out to us. Let us know who you are. You know, Let us know why there's a spike. Are you a super fan? Do you deserve a shirt? Do you deserve the uh, – Anti-social uh, zoo, uh, you know, armor. I will give it to you. Oh, by the way, I came up with. Uh, so you know how, like, uh, for example, I uh, mentioned like combat. You know, the combat radio universe. Uh, that's I guess I coined um, the WWE universe. Um, now we have the antiverse. That's exactly what we are. We are the antiverse. <laughs> the Tyson's laughing. But you know what's funny about that? Because we're not really like. We're not anti-social to the point where, like, we we don't want to interact with people. We don't want to help people. Hmm. Um, the uh, anti-social show, or the word anti-social, has always been a joke uh, between Tyson and I because you know we're we're kind of like if we don't have to be anywhere, we kind of just stay home. So it kind of portrays like we're anti-social, but it doesn't mean we don't love it. Uh, we don't enjoy a good social gathering. Yeah. But well, since interacting we, with people. Since, Yes. So, but we are uh, we are anti-social show. So therefore, we are the anti uh, the antiverse, and we've coined this. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I was glad that we got to talk with Stan about the combat radio uh, charity stuff a little bit because uh, yes, yes. Um, well, just because we have that in common. Oh, and Ethan. Um, just so you know that Tyson and I are making a major comeback on the Halloween uh, album this coming uh, October, if time allows. Um, we've uh, worked very hard on some a uh, couple of things, so uh, don't forget about us this year. I, uh, Ethan, please, thank mm. you. You're the best. We love you. Don't you forget, forget about, me. about me. Dude, I want to sing that to him so bad because... How many times, like, we have we, you know, and nothing against him, like, I love the man of pieces, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's very busy, obviously, and, and it's kind of hard to keep track of everything. Um, you like, you know, it, does that make sense? Yes. And, you know, I've become a bit of a whore when it came to, uh, you know, when we first came out with the Halloween album, uh, The Haunted Mansion, or mm-hmm. Haunted Soundtrack. Um, the Haunted so much Tour. So, the Haunted yes, Tour. Yes, The Haunted Tour. So much so, dude, that I was going to surprise you with doing an entire episode of Fritz, uh, interviewing past guests like he abducted them uh-huh. uh, on anti-social show. So it's going to be like, I'll give you like just uh, audience before we, uh, listeners, before we uh, cut out, I'm going to give you a clip of this. So this is how it's going to sound. <coughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of anti-social show. <laughs> Hunter and Tyson can't be with us right now, but... I would like to really talk about um, the first year that I did this, the Haunted Tour, and uh, I got some guests to come on. They were the first visitors <laughs> of everything. And then, of course, you know, uh, the one guy that I played from, like, Jersey, oh, uh, yo, you know, yo, Mr. L, that sort of thing. Um, yo, Fritz, uh, where's Mr. L? Uh, <clears throat> you shut up about that. Mr. L is having a, a sabbatical. He's resting. I thought I told you not to mention him ever again. <laughs> Sorry, folks. So, yeah, that's one thing. I was going to surprise you with it. Good stuff. Good stuff. Dude, I had like a whole, I, I had like a whole thing 
uh, planned. Um, I never got around to it, but I, I definitely want to uh, uh, attempt to do it um, and send it to you. So see how, you know, obviously it sounds to you. If you want to upload it, you upload it. Okay. Yeah, no, it'd be great. Uh, we'd, we'd get some more Fritz out of here and figure out um, what to do with it. Because I still need to finish um, trying to edit the second La Honda tour. Oh. Which, by the way, dude, I have to uh, I have to formally apologize about that. Oh? Yeah, so, dear listener, when um, we uh, were able to sit down and do the um, second audio, before that, I was in, in an environment where I couldn't uh, really speak loud, and um, it was a, a really bad year. But this year... Um, I'm in a proper environment, and I can scream as loud as I want. Um, so if Tyson wants to rework that and get it out there, I would uh, definitely love it, and I would definitely be down for it because the one thing that I have, if I die, if I like go to my grave, the one thing I can say, well, I'm kind of famous for, uh, Z famous for, is the fact that I played Mr. Fritz, and it was the best thing that I ever did. Fritz. Yes. And I thank Tyson uh, for that. Hello, Fritz. I, uh, <laughs> I mean, well, it was a uh, you know th- you're welcome. Thank you for for going along with it, and uh, you know, uh, and uh, you know, portraying the character. I know that I I was uh, that I I feel like I was kind of exacting uh, about you know, and uh, we you know we did have sound problems, so we needed to do it a few times. But you were you were you know. You did. You were a good sport, and uh, it. I think it turned out good because I think if, as long as people are good sports about things, uh, that uh, stuff more stuff gets done. <laughs> you know, I, when there's uh, time to do may, it, uh, you know. Oh yeah. May I interject? Ah. So when we did the first, the first one, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, the the audience or whoever listened to this obviously did know that we, it, it took a couple weeks to. Uh, every night, by the way, to put the whole thing together, and um, it was really fun. I mean, every single like the the nights that we got together, we came up with the rooms, um, created the dialogue, um, practiced the voices and stuff like that. It was phenomenal. It was fun. It was it was definitely um, the one of the funnest projects I had the pleasure of being part of because I never thought that I would be a part of something like that. So for me to come out of my shell and put myself out there it's like oh my god this is great this is awesome it's like being an actor without being an actor so like and uh, of course i found my mr fritz which like and i'm fritz Mm -hmm. so it was it was definitely it was definitely an awesome time not only to create the content like the the rooms the lines Mm -hmm. to rehearse them it was definitely um was it five weeks i think it was five weeks it was definitely five weeks of fun it was like something that I look forward to. So it's like, okay, I'm going to work now, but when I get off, I know I'm going to work on this. And like, oh my god, it's like it's the best. So no, I thank you. Well, you're welcome and thank you. Uh, it's um, we're trying to, you know, we're just trying to trying to do this stuff, have fun, and uh, have time to do it. You know. Well, that's about all the time we have for anti-social show. I'm Tyson Saner, and I'm Hunter Block. Be decent to each other. Absolutely. Peace. Have a good time, folks.